Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America. Happy Wednesday. It doesn't feel like it's Wednesday, but it is already. This week has flown by so many important things that have happened. Last night, a big election night all across the country. Donald Trump and his endorsed candidates did fairly well. Only one big candidate that Trump endorsed fell. Nancy Mace did survive in South Carolina. Her opponent was defeated. But in other places all across the country, Donald Trump's imperator was obvious in Nevada, where Adam Laxalt won, where Sheriff Joe Lombardo won. Some very big imprint there by the former president as he tries to help Nevada go red this fall. A lot of people are looking at that. But I think the earthquake of earthquakes, and we're going to talk about it with both of our our first guests today for sure. Congresswoman Claudia Tenney is joining us, but we really have to talk about what I consider to be the political earthquake of the night in South Texas, in the Rio Grande, where Democrats have had a consistent 150 years of a Democrat representing them in Congress. Republican Maya Flores, she is a Mexican immigrant, conservative. She campaigned against illegal immigration in the Rio Grande Valley. She won a special election to fill a seat that had been occupied by a Democrat, and in fact, quite frankly, had been occupied by one or more Democrats for 150 years. The Democratic incumbent, Philemon Vela, resigned earlier this year. That's what made the special election. A Republican in a seat that hasn't been Republican in a century and a half, really, since the Reconstruction period right after the Civil War. That is an earthquake. And what's also amazing about it is it, I think it reflects two other very important dynamics. Latinos increasingly are moving from the Democratic Party. They have found it too extreme with open borders and transgender ideology and critical race theory and government spending that just fuels nonstop inflation. They're peeling away to the benefit of Republicans in a way I haven't seen in the 30 plus years I've been in Washington, D.C. covering politics. So the earthquake heard round the country. Myra Flores last night wins a Democratic congressional seat in Texas for the first time in 150 years. This seat has gone red. I think there's a lot to talk about there. We have a lot more. We had Barry Loudermick on the TV show last night. He talked about what it was like to be falsely accused. We're going to give you that over the weekend, a chance to listen to that one. It's a great one. We'll be asking Congresswoman Claudia Tenney about that in just a second. We also have a lot to talk about on the economics, 
on work she's doing to get the Justice Department to better protect Supreme Court justices, particularly after that harrowing near assassination attempt. In fact, there's a great story by my colleagues at Just the News this morning. It's a really great read by Aaron Kliegman on all of the harrowing details of just how close the gunman, the assassin, came to assassinating Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Incredible detail. Scary. The sort of stuff the mainstream media is not covering, but we want to cover it for you so you can be educated and know all about it. I'm sure we'll ask Congresswoman Claudia Tenney about that because she's been pressing Merrick Garland, the attorney general, to enforce the law. The law that says you can't protest and intimidate judges or justices around the country. Very important one. And the second half of the show, we're going to do something kind of fun. We're going to go take a look that we haven't done in quite a while. The Julian Assange case, a decision by the United Kingdom and its Homeland Security Secretary, Preeti Patel, is imminent to extradite Julian Assange to the United States. Most people think that's going to happen. Well, Julian's brother, Gabriel Shipton, is in the United States. He did an event here last night talking about journalism under fire in the, around the world and in America specifically. He's going to give us an update how his brother is doing in custody in Great Britain. What are the issues at stake in this case? The idea that Julian Assange always viewed himself as a journalist. What does that say about this case and the application of the Espionage Act of 1917? I know a lot of people, including Mike Pompeo, who we've had on the show, not, not big fans of Julian Assange. I think even myself personally, I don't think you should leak everything you get from journalism. You know, you, you make decisions and values about lives at stake and other things. But I think there's an interesting argument to be made that he was functioning and certainly practiced as a journalist. What does that mean if this case were to succeed? A very big and important question there. And you know what is interesting is over the last few weeks, there's been a couple of big allies coming in, weighing in on Assange's side. The United Nations has declared that Assange has been arbitrarily detained, which is a term that has legal meaning in the international law community. That was a big win for Assange and his brother and his team. And then, of course, the brand new Australian prime minister, Albanese, he has been saying he thinks that there's not much purpose in prosecuting him, thinks it's excessive. And remember that Assange is an Australian. Could uh, You could see the Australian government trying to make a request of the United States government to bring him home to avoid or nix or nullify this prosecution. So a lot going on there. We're going to get it firsthand from Julian Assange's own brother, Gabriel Shipton. But let's go take a quick commercial break here from our great advertisers, partners. We'll be right back. First up, Claudia Tenney, the great congresswoman from the state of New York, right after this commercial break. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else 
who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you your 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Always excited to have this next guest on. She calls it like it is, balls and strikes. We're always giving us truth and accuracy. Joining us from the great state of New York, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. Congresswoman, great to have you back on the show. Great to be on. It's such an honor to be on with a true investigative journalist who's breaking news every day, telling <laughs> the truth, and uh, just love to see what you're up to every day with oh. coming up with great uh, signs that others don't seem to be getting. So no. great work for you. Thank you. Thank you. I love what I do. I feel very blessed to do it. Uh, you have been uh, a uh, just such a clear voice on how far the economy has gone astray, how this president has taken us to new depths when it comes to uh, the impact on uh, families' budgets. Uh, yesterday, he had this little shouting moment where he's like, people are lying. I'm really changing people's lives in the country. Now, I agree he's changing people's lives in the country, but I think you have a pretty powerful response to where Joe Biden has taken this country and, the, and its economy. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Every time I see Joe Biden talk, and now when, especially when he's yelling, I can't help but see, see that meme of the old man yelling to the kid, get off my lawn, because that's <laughs> what I hear, because he just, I, I don't even know if he realizes what's really going on. I don't know if he has the depth to understand how much Americans are hurting. I hear it every day from my constituents. They either call my office, uh, they text me, they email me. They're telling me about the disaster with the amount of money they're spending, yeah. how much it's costing them just to get to work because of the cost of gas, uh, how much their groceries are, uh, especially a lot of seniors. We have a lot of retirees and, and people on fixed income. And the people are hurting, and Joe Biden seems oblivious to it. And I think it's because this is a guy who is a career politician, has never really had any tough elections. He's been ushered along by incumbency. 
He's always had the media uh, behind him and always supporting him and always glowing praise. In spite of a lot of the really obnoxious things he's done, you know, particularly with attacking people like Justice Robert Bork because he was going to be a swing justice or going after Clarence Thomas and smearing these people in much the same way. Not this nice guy that the media wants you to believe about Joe Biden, who's now now the kind of the senile guy yelling, get off my lawn while this shadow government seems to be pulling all the strings and, he, and and in fact walking back a lot of things that he stands out when he says we're going to stand strong with Taiwan and then gets walked back three times yeah. by staffers. So it makes you wonder if he's really in control and how tragic it is for Americans who see a person that's not really leading our nation, who doesn't seem to be sympathetic or empathetic to the problems that Americans are facing every day because of his policy, which is all anchored on this terrible policy toward energy. And the far left is continuing to push uh, this Green New Deal agenda, cutting off fossil fuels, cutting off the ability for America to be energy independent, and also to help our allies with our our greatness in terms of energy independence, and now throwing us into the hands of authoritarian regimes like China, who are going to control this situation. And I, I just feel for these American people calling me daily, and now we're everyone, retirees, people close to retirement are seeing their 401ks and their pension funds collapse as Joe Biden refuses to help, refuses to do anything to solve this problem. It is remarkable. And uh, you see, you know, they have these lines like, oh, we have a hot economy, everything's good. But uh, real wages in America are down 4%. That means people are walking backwards in their economic buying power with inflation outstripping any wage gains that workers may have gotten. Um, at what point do you think the media begins to cover the economy more honestly and accurately? They, they must see the gap in the propaganda coverage and what their real budgets are showing. Do you think there's a moment where the media starts to turn on uh, the Biden economy? I think the people have got to be pushing the media in that direction because people are getting fed up and you're seeing the numbers continually going down for the Biden administration. And he's just, you know, you see the Democrats themselves are not embracing Joe Biden. They're, They're running from him. But they're also a few of them are like, well, they're not really to really weigh in. They're just hemming and hawing. When you see his own party start to really turn on him in a a demonstrative way, I think you're going to see the media start to turn. Because right now, I mean, I just just a fact, no Democrat is running to Joe Biden to get his endorsement for their uh, elections, whether it's a Senate race or pretty amazing. uh, It's a liability about President Obama even. So. I think that's a sign. Once the Democrats themselves really start to just say this is it, you're seeing Obama advisors, you know, former Obama advisors coming out of the woodwork starting to go after Biden. And the media is still providing cover because there is looming out there this specter of a potential, but you know, President Trump and the, they're ramping up the J6 committee, hoping that that's going to happen. And now that committee has been postponed. You expose them. Uh, advancing lies on Barry Loudermilk, which is really undermining their propaganda campaign. So I think you're seeing a lot, a lot of failed attempts here, including the J6 committee, among others, that are eventually the Democrats are going to run out of time because we're getting to primaries and we're and November uh, is coming quickly where you're going to see the red wave come to shore where they're doing everything they can to make sure that doesn't happen using this, uh, you know, the media and everything else. Yeah, well, last night there was an earthquake in South Texas in the Rio Grande Valley. A Republican elected 
for the first time in 150 years in a district in South Texas, uh, and a Republican, a Mexican-born, large Latino population in the district, and she ran against illegal immigration very effectively. Uh, What bellwether sign should both parties take from that race? Yeah, that is a a great sign, and it just shows you that these voters, particularly an immigrant from Mexico. She's amazing, by the way. I met her, a tremendous candidate, which is a, is a key factor in winning races. She was an excellent candidate. She's well-spoken. She's very attractive, very, uh, very much a values candidate. And I think you're going to see a lot in that uh, Hispanic community, a lot of people in, the, in, in those groups, and a lot of voters across all sectors starting to see that values matter if you, as you see this breakdown. And so she's a person that that ran on values. Also, you know, obviously a sterling candidate, a really good person, uh, authentic. And I think that that's what's going to win elections. We're coming back to that, this kind of age of, you know, fake candidates and people who really are being defined by their race, their gender, their status. Uh, that That's not going to be it. It's going to be people who are authentic and stand for the values that they're running on. And I think that's why you see Myra, Myra Flores win that race and she's going to have a tough race coming up uh in november when she's running for the new district but i think she's going to be a candidate to watch as are so many wonderful candidates across the country of you know all races all uh all different groups it's just it's really incredible how people are are really seeing the promise of america and how it really is about freedom and about individual rights and there's nowhere to turn if we don't have an America that stands for those values anywhere in the world. And you're seeing what's so great is you're seeing these immigrants coming in and embracing that and, and really strengthening what we stand for as a country. Yeah, there's no doubt. And it also takes the race card right out from under the uh, the silly Democrats who've uh, demagogued on that for such a long time. So many people of different races, different ethnicities, backgrounds, they're all embracing uh, the Republican platform and rejecting just how far left the Democratic Party has come. It's, it's really remarkable. You have been uh, relentless in your efforts to try to get the DOG to follow the law, to hold those who are uh, in, inappropriately intimidating Supreme Court justices, uh, to hold them accountable, to make sure the law, you, you just had a, a pretty remarkable response back from the Justice Department on why they're not enforcing the current laws that prohibit uh, protesting out near uh, Supreme Court justices' home. Your reaction to the letter that you got? You know, it's just incredible that our Attorney General doesn't seem to think that it's important to put politics aside and to embrace uh, and be maybe intimidated by what the far left is doing to these Supreme Court justices. I, you might add that these are uh, actually crimes in the state of Virginia as well, where some of these protests are happening Great point. in front of justices' homes. And this is personal for me. And I've said this before, but I am the daughter of a New York State Supreme Court justice. Right. And my father was a judge for a long time. And I remember being very young and uh, remembering people intimidating our family, calling, answering the phone when I was you know, a teenager, threatening us and saying, you'll never see your father again. And, and there, were a, there was a lot of interesting, a lot of domestic relations cases come before uh, you know, Supreme Court justices in New York, which is actually the trial level justice in New York. Right. But, you know, these are tough issues that judges face. And the fact that, you know, in this day and age where we have all this, anor- you know, an- you know um, uh, what's acrimony, uh, and you're seeing this with these people coming to really target Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett, who has all these children in her home still, 
and, and Justice Kavanaugh with young children as well. It's totally inappropriate. And the fact that Merrick Garland is backing away from this for political reasons and not understanding this very sensitive position that justices are in, they really can't speak out uh, in, in, as a legislator can or someone in openly a political person. These are people who have, once they're appointed, they have to take a solemn oath uh, to be completely uh, neutral about these issues, right. and really their mission is to just judge the Constitution. And so it's, they don't, they're not in a position to protect themselves, and that's why it's so important that people like Merrick Garland should step down, and people like Nancy Pelosi should have let the, you know, allowed more time. She had so much pressure uh, from the Senate where they unanimously passed this bill, and it's interesting that there were still 27 Democrats who would not, do not think it's important including those who claim that they're so-called moderates uh, on the Democratic side. By the way, I must emphasize again, based on voting record, there are no moderates serving in the House of Representatives right now. It's a phony narrative. There are people masquerading as moderates with far-left voting records. And to me, it's your voting record that counts, not what you say you are. So, again, 27 of them voted against protecting our justices, which I think is is really unfortunate and, and really personal to me, obviously, as, uh, as the daughter of a former Supreme Court justice. Oh, absolutely. A statewide Supreme Court justice. Yeah, no, you, you know the, the risk and, uh, that a judge takes every day when they go on that bench and when they go home at night. And it's 10% of the Democratic caucus, actually a little bit more than 10% of the Democratic caucus, voted against providing the sort of protection we need. And by the way, just a few days after a man was arrested in, in, in the process of an assassination plot against Kavanaugh, uh, how can uh, how, how do they sustain that vote? How do they go back to their districts and say, I don't actually care about the safety of the family members and uh, of justice? It seems to me like that's a vote that's going to have enormous resonance back home. I, I agree, John. And I don't know because I don't know if anyone else explains their vote. But one thing that your listeners should know is I explain every vote that I take in the House of Representatives, even postal bills, which have become you know, post office naming, so it should become somewhat controversial, believe it or not. Right. But I explain every vote in detail so people know there's a place to go uh, where we transparently talk about why we vote a certain way. Because I got a lot of constituents asking me, like, where do I go? How do I find out how people voted and why? And so I give them my reasons. I mean, obviously, I'm a conservative. I'm a Republican. But I give the reasons why I vote on bills, because sometimes bills sound really good and they're terrible. Sometimes bills sound bad and they're not so bad, and there's usually a reason, and there's often a a reason that's not obvious to someone who's not looking closely at the bills like we are uh, to be able to explain that. So I don't know. I'd love to know why a lot of these so-called moderate, like left-wingers masquerading as moderates, along with a lot of squad members, why did they vote against this? And maybe they have a good reason, but I don't see any of them explaining those votes in detail. Maybe they're explaining it in their districts. But anyone can go to tenny.house.gov or go to my Facebook, my Twitter, or my Instagram page and see how we vote. We usually get our vote explanations out uh, within a few hours of the votes. We think a lot about how we're going to vote and, and put a lot of care into it. So I think it's really important that we do that. I, as a former newspaper owner and publisher, I, I sympathize, you know, I want to be as good of information resource as I can to the public so that they know and they understand that we are in a self-governing uh, constitutional republic and the, the citizens run our government and they need to know uh, how are their representatives are voting and why so they can make good judgments. Yeah, that's so important. You uh, wrote a very powerful op-ed about a week ago. I think it was in Newsweek, if I remember correctly. And it, it talked about the Biden administration needing to crack down 
on the Hamas disinformation campaign, the anti-Israel, uh, the hate Israel campaign that has now become very prevalent, not only on social media, but in many media organizations. Uh, you and I think the, the former Pentagon official, uh, Mike Makovsky, wrote this really powerful op-ed. Tell us a little bit about the message and why it's so important. Right. There's so much disinformation about Israel. We have this, you know, the, the uh, BDS movement, the anti-Israel movement. We see this terrible... Uh, every Israel is always a target in the UN, and a lot of what happened in the Gaza Strip last year, a lot of this is just continuing to be promoted as as Israeli uh, violence when we know that that's not what the case was. A lot of misinformation. So we just wanted to set the record straight. And and I was really pleased that Newsweek was was willing to publish our op-ed explaining exactly what happened uh, in defense of what what happened and how Israel you know needs supporters. It needs at least the truth to be told, and I think that's what we're trying to do. There's just so much, uh, you know, we're swinging backward again uh, under the Biden administration, which I don't think are, they're against, you know, Israel, which is our great, uh, our great, uh, you know, ally in the Middle East. Sure. But I think they're weak in standing up to the enemies in the Middle East, particularly Iran. And, uh, you know, the, the, the U.N. is continually targeting Israel, and so... Uh, we we think that it's important that we support and defend Israel, a great ally to the United States, and the only real democracy in that part of the world uh, that is a symbol of hope for many. And, and you saw this happening with President uh, Trump in creating the Abraham Accords, taking a novel approach to uh, finding some ways to peace in the Middle East and bringing everyone to where Israel would like to be, is, which is bringing everyone into the the world of prosperity and the world of peace, uh, which is what the Abraham Accords at least started. And we're hoping they finish that. But unfortunately, we have malign players like the Iranian regime out there and some members of uh, the Biden administration sort of siding with them. And we're in the middle of these negotiations with uh, the negotiator, Rob Malley, uh, from the Iranian, uh, yeah. which, which, which we think is a mistake to get back into the JCPOA, which is the Iran nuclear deal because they're continuing to cheat and to lie, and we don't want to give them even more money uh, and go back to what happened during the Obama administration where they were pallets of cash. Uh, we were trading hostages and giving them money. Uh, we don't want to encourage hostage-taking, and that's a lot of what's on the table with this current deal. But that's why we want to defend Israel, and also you know, we're always holding them accountable, but also defending Israel when they are doing the right thing to protect uh, their interests and to protect democracy in this, this really unstable part of the world. Yeah, it really is, and and you 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 did such a good job of describing the tactic that Hamas uses, which is they first they launch these rockets, they always start the attacks, but they launch them from areas that are inevitably very close to civilians because they actually want to use their people not only as shields but as props to then come back after a, a, a retaliatory strike comes and say, oh, they killed civilians. They're actually using the civilians as their own shields. Uh, you you did such a good job describing that dynamic and how the media gets it wrong. I mean, the New York Times is one of the most outrageous uh, papers that constantly mismatching the facts with the storyline. And um, it, it was really great to see that, that uh, very important op-ed. Did you Thank get a lot you. of reaction it to diabolical. it? Yeah, I actually, actually gotten a lot of support uh, from, and, and not really too much negative, but I think people forget, you know, just the concept of even using your own people in that way. There's things we saw when, when you know, Americans were really stunned during the Afghan, uh, Afghanistan conflict in the very beginning and Iraq and, and what, right. what really happens in some of these, you know, very primitive type regimes where you see this horrible human abuse 
and, and the fact that 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 uh, that Hamas is willing to engage in that type of behavior needs to be re- people need to remember that, and that's what we're again. Thank you for for recognizing that. I didn't want to come out and say it outright, but thanks for doing that. It would, I think the piece was just trying to clarify uh, that you know this is being misinterpreted. There were human targets that were that they promoted and put in harm's way. It was not the Israeli government that really went through quite a process to keep themselves safe, not to mention their Iron Dome system, which is constantly criticized by Hamas, but it's actually a defensive system that's brilliant to keep people safe. So, yes. uh, you know, we got to, we, we need to continue to support Israel and I, I'm, I'm a very strong supporter and uh, unapologetically so. And you do it with facts, which the other side doesn't do very well. You're the House Foreign Affairs Committee is so lucky to have you because you, you get to the, the essence of the facts, which is where people make smart decisions. Too much is made on emotion and propaganda, and it's great to just have a, a debate with facts, which you always you always bring to the table. I want to take you to China for a second because uh, you had an important tweet this morning, and I, I think it's a remarkable moment a lot in the media uh, missed. We, we certainly covered it here at Just the News, but the World Health Organization, now two, two plus years later, says, you know what, we got to really get to the bottom of this lab leak theory. It's still very plausible. There were, not that long ago, fact checkers that would censor people like me and you if we even raise the idea of the lab leak theory for the origins of COVID-19. Now the World Health Organization seems to be more bullish on the idea and pressing to get an answer. We really should have gotten two years ago. China has long since probably deleted data and manipulated things around the world. But the fact that the World Health Organization is today where you were a long time ago, uh, kind of a sweet uh, moment of vindication for you. Yeah, I mean, this is I even when I this was before this started before I was even elected to my second term. I was a candidate when we were really calling out uh, the World Health Organization yeah. and on this cover up of this theory. And I think I, I remember uh, actually talking to Senator Tom Cotton about this issue and, and how he was uh, maligned. The New York Times, everybody was anyone who dared to bring it up was canceled, removed from social media. Uh, labeled, and now look at where we are today. This is why it's so incredibly important that we knock down the kind of propaganda that you're seeing with January 6th. We continue to uphold what we stand for as a country. And why this January 6th to me is just this January 6th propaganda campaign is dangerous to American values because you're seeing a one-sided, hand-picked, factual approach without the other side having its opportunity to weigh in. And that is the critical difference between the United States because we afford rights to the accused and to defendants. And we're allowing this government sanctioned government, by the way, we're, I think the taxpayers have probably footed, uh, it's been reported, I'm not fact checking this yet, but up, up to $8 million to create that video that was promoted by the January 6th committee and think about the money that China puts into the WHO, you know, the World Health Organization yeah. and others, to cover up information, to provide it only the one-sided view of the Chinese Communist Party, and things that happen around the world like that. To the fact that we're allowing these things to happen, we need to stand up. I lived in a communist country, the former Yugoslavia, which seemed benign enough. It was a little different than living behind the Iron Curtain because it was a, a unique situation uh, in the former Yugoslavia. Right. But nonetheless... Tito was a communist dictator, and you disagreed uh, with what Tito, uh, you know, believed in or what the Communist Party promoted. You were sent to a barren island in the Adriatic Sea where you could spend the rest of your life or you could lose your life there, and you were certainly tortured 
for your views. And that's something that I think is so important that's coming full circle in America again. And I just want people to understand, we need to understand how important our First Amendment, Second Amendment rights, but also all the rest of the amendments that deal with defendants and people who are accused by the government. That's what all those, those, that Bill of Rights is about. It's one of the reasons the New York State, one of the original colonies, was late to join onto the Constitution because they wanted to make sure the Bill of Rights was there. And so as a New Yorker, I feel pretty proud about our founders and our original uh, New Yorkers who stood up for our Bill of Rights. It's not just First and Second Amendments. It's all those rights we have when we're accused by the government to have our right, our day in court, to have a, a speedy jury, to have a right to present our evidence, to have the right to due process. All these things are being denied by people uh, that are being accused on January 6th, whether it's President Trump, whether it's Barry Loudermilk, who was wrongly accused, who you, uh, you know, brought out. I think you're one of the first people to raise that issue publicly. Uh, and kudos to you, because this is what we have to st- we, uh, Unfortunately, we have to fight our government again to make sure that our rights are upheld. Yeah, it's so important that we not give ground. Uh, if you give ground once, you give ground a thousand times. And that's how the great uh, freedoms of other countries have been eroded. I know you stick, you stay on the line there every day. You um, are co-chair, I think, of the Election Integrity Caucus in Congress. When we started looking at these election issues after 2020, uh, a lot of it was called conspiracy theories and, and uh uh, the big lie, they have a million different names for it. But in the last three months, we just had this story. It's really fascinating to me. Nine major public officials from a former Democratic congressman congressman to a former uh, mayor in Arizona, uh, nine separate public officials indicted by the United States Justice Department for election fraud related to 2020. That's just in the last two or three months where those cases have all surfaced. Um, you're not satisfied that we've got this election system fixed yet, are you? Not at all. And we are trying. And unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation out there and some of a lot of misinformation. Again, I'm watching the January 6th committee, watching how they selectively pull out uh, a couple of sentences, a couple of clauses, draw conclusions without all the facts and keep using this term widespread fraud, which is interesting because it was it's a narrative that the Democrats created widespread fraud. A lot of what happened in the 2020 election was completely inappropriate. And a lot of the reasons that judges did not weigh in, you keep hearing, well, all the judges dismissed all these cases. But a lot of what was happening was technically not illegal. Vote harvesting in some states was was blurred lines and undefined and judges didn't want to weigh in. So, you know, we didn't know that Mark Zuckerberg had uh, put over four hundred million dollars into priming the pump and, and inter, interfering with people's independent decisions about how to vote, interfering with the ability to cast a private vote where the, the uh, actual identity of the person was revealed, uh, which is why we have these rules in place. It's not the voter suppression that Democrats want you to believe. The importance of having a private vote, and we just talked about Soviet-style uh, events, uh, former countries where the communists actually know how you vote or corrupt governments where they know what, what, how you vote. We have an elaborate system to protect that sacred right to vote and the private right so the government doesn't know how you vote so they can't influence in you, you. And so, so much of that was compromised in 2020, which, you know, really undermined the, the, the right to vote and undermined, we don't know what the real numbers are, but a lot of that wasn't known until after the election. 
And so a lot of judges weighed in when they really didn't have the facts in front of them. And I think we need to look at this going forward to make sure that we uh, don't allow Mark Zuckerberg to interfere, which is why I put bills in place. It's why the Election Integrity Caucus has taken strong positions and recommended model legislation. We've had numerous guests on, like Molly Hemingway, to come in and talk ah, about her book, she Rigged. She did such a great job. Uh, we've talked, does an amazing job. We've had secretaries of state, elected officials, and we've seen great movement across the country with states like Florida and, and so many others weighing in and making sure that they strengthen their election integrity laws, not allow the sloppiness that the Democrats are trying to advance through either H.R. 1, the For the People Act, which is really just a vote harvesting federal takeover, and also the H.R. 4, which is the takeover of our elections by the Department of Justice. The beginning of this conversation we had about the politicization of the Department of Justice under the current Attorney General Merrick Garland and his unwillingness to support our Supreme Court justices. He also is allowing the Department of Justice to interfere with the state's rights to uh, administer elections and even local governments. And that's happening in my own district where I had that crazy race. So, yeah, a lot of election integrity issues are really important and on the forefront. And the Democrats are doing everything they can to make sure that red wave doesn't hit the shore. And so instead of Zuckerbuck's, Joe Biden did an executive order in January taking a billion in taxpayer money and allotting it for use by federal agencies through the Department of Justice and other agencies to engage in vote harvesting schemes and voter registration schemes in highly democratic areas like HUD locations and others. So there is more than twice what Zuckerberg used that is being used by using our taxpayer money with a de facto takeover of our elections. So that's something to watch for. Um, I wrote a letter to the Biden administration, to DOJ and Merrick Garland, alerting them that this is inappropriate and, and a direct, you know, potentially a direct violation of our election integrity. So uh, Mike Garcia, who's uh, the representative from California, he's my right. co-chair. Um, Ted Budd, who's also a representative, now our, our nominee for Senate in the state of North Carolina, joined me on this bill as well. So we've got a lot of great champions of election integrity out there, and it's really important that we maintain that sacred right to vote and also a private right, and every citizen gets one vote, not more than one. Yeah, such an important, um, such important concept. And, and you know, it, we actually, in the process of tightening up election laws, we're actually making it easier to vote at the same time. So it's easy to vote and hard to cheat. That doesn't get discussed at all. But you see what they did in Georgia. It's, it's actually easier to vote than ever before. We had record turnout. There wasn't any of that uh, suppression that uh, Stacey Abrams and others uh, predicted because, in fact, voter turnout was an all-time high in the Georgia primary, the first under the new integrity laws. I think when you make laws better and stronger, more people actually want to vote because they know their vote's going to count. It's, it's remarkable what you've been able to articulate to the American people. Congresswoman, it's always an honor to have Thanks you so on. Much. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, please. No, thank you. No, I just want to say one thing on Stacey Abrams. We now know that across all sectors, all demographics of all voters, that 81% support photo ID and making sure that their vote is not undermined by somebody trying to vote for them. I'm so glad that Stacey Abrams has changed her position on that. Now that we have a, a plus 80% of voter polls, she is now supportive of voter vote, photo ID for voting. So we've made some strides. When How we about get that? Abrams on our side. <laughs> That's a big get. <laughs> That's a pretty big deal. 
Well, Congresswoman, it's always an honor to have you on this show. We always learn a lot from you, and I really appreciate all the time you give us, and have a good rest of the day. Great. Great to be on, and thanks so much, and uh, keep fighting the good fight. I look forward to uh, what you put out on uh, social media every week. Thank uh, you. I know That's that you tell kind. the truth, and you break a lot of stories which is really important. Thanks so much for what you do. Oh, such an honor. Thank you so much for saying so. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have a conversation about Julian Assange right after this. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS. They know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 right now. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Very excited to welcome this next guest to the show. His name is Gabriel Shipton. He's the brother of Julian Assange, and he has been fighting relentlessly for years to get his brother freed. Gabriel, great to have you on the show today. Yeah, good to be with you. We're at a very big moment, right? We're waiting for a big extradition decision out of Great Britain. Uh, what does that look like? What forces are at play as the final decision uh, works its way? Yeah, so the UK Home Secretary, Priti Patel, has the extradition order on her desk, and we're just waiting for her to sign off on that. Um, we expect that she will. Um, she's not uh, known for her you know, compassion or anything like that, so uh, we expect that Julian uh, will be one step closer to being extradited. Uh, to the United States. Yeah, it's very interesting. Now, the UN has weighed in, really saying this is an arbitrary detention. Has that helped at all? Has it had any impact in the debate on uh, over the extradition? No, so the UN Working Group on Arbitrary Detention, uh, you know, they've, they've declared that Julian's been arbitrarily detained and that he's entitled to compensation. Also, the UN Special Rapporteur on Torture, 
Professor Nils Melzer found that Julian uh, was suffering from uh, the effects of psychological psychological torture. Right. So the UN has has again and again, um, you know, <laughs> found the situation that Julian is in um, to be totally violating, you know, his rights, and even worse than that, um, you know, being tortured. Yeah. So, you know, it has had an effect in far as it really shows people what's been done here is, you know, totally inhumane and nobody deserves it, no matter no matter what people publish, uh, you know, do they deserve to be tortured? I think normal people everywhere uh, would say no. Yeah, no, the anguish here, the, the concern for his physical and mental well-being is, is very extensive. Do you have any contact with him? Do you get a chance to talk to him? Are you able to set eyes on him, at least get a sense of his health and his state of mind? Look, I saw him. I saw him at the prison on his wedding. He got married in the in the prison to his wife Stella right. on the twenty third of March. So, you know, I saw him on that day. Um, you know, that was a sort of bittersweet, bittersweet day uh, when we were when we were at the prison, the prison there. But it was sort of special in a way because for for a for a moment in time, the prison felt like our prison. You know, all the guards were running around, opening doors for us and and doing things like that. And, and there was a moment where you know you felt. We really felt like, you know, love, that old saying, love conquers all. Yeah. Um, yeah, no one could take that moment away from Julian, no matter, and Stella, no matter what uh, he's been put through. So that, that was the last time I saw him. And he's been worn down, you know, this constant uh, legal procedure. Yeah. He's been in a maximum security prison for three years. He's not convicted of any crime. He's been held there solely at the request of the National Security DOJ here in the U.S., um, you know, it wears down on him, and he had a mini stroke at the end of last year, um, and that's—I I can only say that's the result of the years and years of pressure. Yeah. I mean, he's been detained one way or another for the past 12 years. Uh, you know, ever since he published uh, the evidence of war crimes, you know, the cl- very famous collateral murder video, right. um, you know, uh, evidence of torturing Guantanamo Bay. Uh, corruption, uh, you know, ever since that was published, Julian has been detained and pursued in, uh, one way or another. So, and, 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 and on the flip side, nobody has been prosecuted in, in, uh, as a result of these publications, right? Uh, there's, there's nobody has been charged with, uh, uh, with any crime as a result of the publications, even though there's, you know, uh, you know, no one can dispute that there is evidence of war crimes uh, in those releases. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, it, it, uh, it's as though many secrets are sitting out in open wrongdoing, sitting out in wrongdoing, and no one, the willful willingness not to look at it. It's, uh, it is striking. Uh, it seems as though in recent months, uh, Julian may have gotten a, an ally in Australia. The Australian prime minister seems to be a little bit sympathetic to his plight. Uh, have you had a chance to talk to him? Do you have any sense of what the Australian sentiments are these days? Well, I mean, you know, before, before he was elected a few weeks ago, uh, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese had made statements like he doesn't see the purpose or he doesn't see what purpose is served by Julian being in prison. Uh, he says, you know, Julian has suffered enough. Uh, he says enough is enough. Similar things like that. Right. His attorney general, current attorney general, actually wrote a, uh, made a statement, a written statement saying that uh, he can't see why um, the leaker of, of this material is free walking the streets. But the publisher is in prison. Yeah. So I think, you know, we have good, great faith in the Australian people. Julian's very, very popular in Australia. Uh, there was a, uh, 
a poll done in one of the national newspapers uh, that asked people if they brought if they agreed with the uh, statement that Julian should be brought home to Australia, and 71% of those polled agreed. So I guess it's up to the Prime Minister now to do what the uh, Australian people want him to and, and, and bring Julian home. He has made some statements after the election, which uh, he, he was asked if he, agree, if he still maintained his position. Right. And he said, and he said, not all foreign policy is done with a bullhorn, which is a which is a sort of departure uh, from the previous government, of course. who 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 always is saying, you know, the previous government was saying, oh, this is a matter for the UK courts. You know, Julian's getting consular assistance. This is a change now, uh, saying that this is a matter for foreign policy, and uh, a dip, and and that indicates to us that uh, some behind the scenes diplomacy is underway. So we're we're sort of have faith that the Prime Minister is going to do what, what the Australian people want him to do and bring Julian home. And what would that require? Require them negotiating with the United States and saying, we, we, we want to take this matter back to our country and, and, and tell the United States to stand down, right? That's basically the, in layman's terms, what would have to happen, correct? Yeah, well, I, I guess, you know, there would, um, you know, it would just be, you know, we're in a, we have this alliance now called AUKUS. I don't know if you know about it. Yes. Australia, US and UK, right? So we, these are our, this is Australia's biggest allies, like, you know, uh, around the world, the two people involved in Julian's persecution, the UK and the US. So simply all he has to do is say, we want to bring him home. And I think they have to listen. You know, if you you can't ask your friends or your allies for favours, then, you know, what what, What goes the relationship, right? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, does you know? Does your brother have any uh, do-overs in his mind? If he had done this, uh, had it all over to do again, would he do anything different, or would he have stuck to the same guns that he that he did as, as history played out? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that you know, knowing Julian, he would he would do it all again, yeah. um, knowing the risks and 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 knowing uh, you know, I guess how many lives are saved. You know, basically, the cables were led to the end of the war in Iraq. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, that how many lives, you know, not, and it's not just Iraqi lives, but it's, you know, service people's lives as well, that those people who go over to those countries um, to fight in these wars, um, right. you know, it's their lives and livelihoods too. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. Um, last question, because I know how busy you are, and uh, you're very kind to join us on, on short notice. The um, There have been these reports that Secretary Pompeo, when he was CIA director, wanted to do a grab of uh, Julian and, and basically take him to the United States forcibly. Have you been able to flush all of that out? Do you have any proof of that? What, what do you know about that operation? Well, uh, so... Uh, yes, there was a obviously the six thousand page, a uh, six thousand word uh, investigation that was published last September. Right. Uh, over thirty current and former intelligence community sources uh, spoke to the Yahoo News journalists. Um, Mike Pompeo, when 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 uh, when when that article came out, Mike Pompeo made a statement that all those sources should be should be prosecuted. So uh, he sort of inadvertently confirmed. Yeah, he did. He did uh, make that statement. Yeah. And he's been summoned, you know, he's been summoned to appear in, in the court in, in Spain. Uh, and that court is investigating the spying and, um, you know, allegations of the murder plot and the kidnap plot against Julian when he was in the Ecuadorian embassy. So he's been summoned to that to, to appear before that court last week. So yeah, that's uh, in Spain, right? 
Yes, uh, yes. So we're just seeing yeah. how that all play, plays out. Fascinating. Uh, plays out, really. Yeah. yeah, fascinating. And you had a big event in Washington last night, right? Journalism under attack. Kind of reminding people that if this goes through, Julian Assange would be the first journalist ever fully prosecuted under the Espionage Act of 1917. How did that event go? What was the big message of it? Yeah, I think that that's exactly it, that this, um, you know, journalism is under attack. This is the first time the Espionage Act has been used against a publisher. It is the, it's the Espionage Act being turned in this tool to sort of turn the First Amendment and freedom of press into a sort of walled garden that can't actually give the people the information they need to make decisions uh, like who to vote for. How, how do we know who to vote for if we don't know what's been done in our name? Yeah. And, and that, that is the sort of general message that, uh, you know, this is a key part of democracy. And, and the U.S., unlike other countries, has this fantastic thing, this First Amendment that's enshrined in the Constitution, no, number one, the First Amendment um, that guarantees freedom of the press. And, you know, you if, if you don't fight for it, uh, it's going to be taken from you. Yeah. Oh, that, and we are living in a moment where it's under greater threat than at any time uh, in uh, certainly my lifetime. I'll say that for sure. Gabriel, what's the best way for people to stay in touch with all you're doing on behalf of your brother, all that's going on? Uh, you have a website, don't you, that you guys uh, yes. assemble? Yeah. Yeah. AssangeDefense.org. Great. That's so, very... Yeah, you can... So you can pop on there. There's a take action page. And we're asking everyone to contact their representatives, uh, you know, get, them, get in touch, let them know that you see this case for what it is as an attack on your rights, you know, your free press, your First Amendment right. Yeah, very important resource. We check it often just to see if there's any developments. It's very, very helpful. Great honor to have you on. Thank you for joining us. I know how busy you are, Gabriel. Well, this was a really good conversation. I know our listeners wanted to get caught up to speed. Okay, thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you, sir. Bye. All right, folks, that, uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, folks. That wraps it up. What a good day. What a fascinating discussion with Congresswoman Tenney. So much to think about, about the state of our country, the economy, the inability of our American president to communicate even what he means, to find policies that slow the anguish that most Americans are feeling in their pocketbook, in their wallet, the dinner table. And then, of course, uh, Julian Assange's brother giving us a up-to-the-minute report on his brother's health, the pending extradition for the United Kingdom, the dynamic in Australia, which is one I would keep an eye on. Gabriel Shifting brought us a lot of information. I'm really grateful for that. So you can make up your own mind about that. All right, before we go today, I always love to introduce you to a special offer, a opportunity, a unique 
product and service from our great partners. We have so many great ones. And one of the new ones that joined us recently is Nugenics. This is something close to my heart. You know, I'm in my mid fifties now. I feel that energy sapping away. Sometimes I come home, I don't want to exercise at the end of the night. It's because as I get older, as all men do, our testosterone levels drop and we have a lack of energy, a lack of motivation, a lack of drive. And they have created an extraordinary product, Nugenics Total T. That's what it's called, Nugenics Total T. It boosts the free testosterone in your body so that the aging process can be slowed down. It basically restores testosterone that the aging process took from you. You're gonna feel stronger, you're gonna be leaner, you're gonna have more energy and drive, more passion. You're gonna feel a lot better. I know this because I take Nugenics Total T. It is a great product. It's the number one selling, in fact, testosterone booster in America at GNC, where a lot of people get their supplements. So we have a special offer. Hey guys, if you're feeling a little dreary and down and out of energy, that mid 50, 60, 70 time frame has hit you, like we all sometimes do hit that wall. You can get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text the word Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N, to 231-231. Go do that now. What a great idea. Text now and get a free bottle of Nugenics Thermo as well, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape. That's free, absolutely free, and it's going to be fast. How about that? So text the word Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N, at 231-231 to get started on that incredible special offer. Big thanks to Nugenics. All of us older guys starting to feel their age. We get winded on the weekend warrior stuff. Well, this is a way to bring your energy up, bring your strength and your feeling leaner, natural testosterone restored to your body. What a great product. What a great idea. Check them out today. All right, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. We'll have uh, another big show tomorrow. Hope to break a new story on the January 6th Capitol riots that you might want to know about. That should be breaking tomorrow on the show. Until then, I hope that God blesses you. God blesses this incredible country, the United States of America, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.